Hello and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. My name is Alex Kulesh and I am, of course, joined by Chris O'Reilly. Hello, Alex. And Brian Campion. Hello there. I'm always last. Christ. Anyway, how are you? How are you, boys? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're saved the best to last, Brian. Ah, uh, yes, that's it. As my mother always said. We leave the space for you to say something witty like you just did. That's why. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. So what are we doing, Alex? We are going to do the rest of the championship. So in the first podcast of the big IHF World Championship 2023 preview, we previewed groups A, B, C, and D. We talked about some fantastic players, like your favorite uh, Korean right wing, Brian? Young. <laughs> Don't know, can't remember his first name. But he plays in Spain uh, for Adam or Leon. He does. And of course, all, all of the big teams... <laughs> uh, we covered who are going to fly through the groups but today we're going to talk about the rest of the championship that is groups e f g and h a lot of teams in this championship that's taking place in sweden and poland and it's getting very close and we're getting very excited but for this podcast we're going to do something slightly different and in the last podcast we re- revealed that we set up our patreon this is a subscription service where you can donate to this podcast on a monthly basis uh, so that we can provide you lots and lots of content. And the first 15 minutes of this podcast, you're going to hear on your main feed, but the rest of the podcast is going to be on our Patreon. So do sign up and you'll enjoy more than just the extra podcasts that we'll provide. It'll be a handball community, the greatest English-speaking handball community in the world. And you can feel good about the fact that you'll be uh, funding us and uh, to drink our tasty, tasty pints on the final <laughs> weekend of the championship, uh, which is the, the least, least you can do for all of this lovely work. <laughs> so Group E, Katowice is the place to be for Germany, Serbia, Qatar and Algeria. Is handball coming home, Alex? I like Germany. I like Germany. Oh. Oh, I'm getting good feelings about Germany. What about you guys? I, oh, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling oh, something. Dear. I think that I think the basis of all this in, this enthusiasm for Germany comes comes down to one man basically, and that's a man who couldn't play at the last major event because of his opinions on COVID nineteen, <laughs> or I've heard his mother's opinions because basically his mother runs his life, and that's Yori Knorr. <laughs> And he is, <laughs> he is at 117 goals in the German Bundesliga. That's third top scorer. And when you, the bits I've seen him play, especially in the game against Iceland, he was really their focal point. And I think he can inject uh-huh, this German team <laughs> <laughs> with a whole new bit of bad boy that they maybe needed. And they haven't had a bad boy in quite a while. And he's your, he's your bad boy, anti-vax bad boy, Yuri Knorr. All but of, what a player. All of the members of the handball hour, by the way, are fully vaccinated, just so to be clear about that. Anyways, yes. but yes, uh, what a player though. Yes, what a player. What a goal machine. 
taking a lot of their penalties now as well. So he's really become their their main man. And I think he, you know, we've talked about the playmaker position for Germany for so many years that they just they don't have a, a player who can move the ball and create a bit more for the team. And I think he can do that. He's not your small traditional kind of moving the ball playmaker that we're seeing in handball today. He's a bit of that Andy Schmidt um, role where he does run the game from the middle. I think he's definitely modeled his game on that in Reinick and Leuven, and they're set up for a player like that. Question is, is, is this German team set up for that kind of playmaker? From what I saw in the test matches against Iceland, he connected with Gola really, really well, which I think is really important. And it's exactly like you said, Andy Schmidt, we know... When we think of him, it's about his amazing connection with his line players, Bjarte Mirhol at Reinecke Leuven, the one that stands out for me over the years. And uh, Gola and Knorr could be that one. I think uh, Julian Kuster as well at left back, who had a great Euro last year, uh, now playing regularly in the Bundesliga. Both he and Knorr are just 22 years of age. Really exciting players at centre and left back. They have Gola as captain. Uh, and Andy Wolf, who are at another, like at kind of proper world level, Champions League level. And the rest of the team looked like a solid Bundesliga team, which could work an absolute treat for a championship like this. They do look overall stronger than they have been, that like the players are playing at a better level, like club, club level, than uh, German national team players have in recent years. Uh, you have a few kind of nice characters back in the team as well, like Rune Damke, Patrick Grutzke are back in there. So, yeah, all, all things kind of looking good for them. They beat Iceland in a test match uh, on Sunday evening, even though, from what I saw, it looked like Iceland's kind of second team because Iceland already beat them in the first test match, so they, they rotated a bit more. But Germany got the win, so they're feeling really confident, which means it's going to be an absolute disaster. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think that this group, you know, it's a nice group for them. There's Qatar, Serbia, and Algeria in there. Um, Serbia, who we'll get to, uh, are looking pretty exciting. Uh, and it's going to be a real test of them for, for them early. But I think that's a good thing. You know, you want at least one proper game in the first round to really set things up for the main round. And, you know, one loss, even if things go really badly, one loss in the uh, first round. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, I think I think it's a nice group for them. I think it's a team that's in good form. And yeah, I, I think Andy Wolf is the player that um, brings me more hope because him at his best is really something special. You know, we've we've seen him gain and gain momentum in his play for Kielsa, and part of that actually comes down to uh, uh, basically gaming, which is an interesting uh, fact or tidbit that I learned uh, that. You know, for for a long time, Andy Wolf, he's a big gamer. He's on Twitch. He's um, he spent a lot of time and a lot of nights gaming, and uh, that may have impacted his performance. But uh, he made a, an agreement last year with Talent Dushabayev that he would cut down on that. And suddenly, we're seeing uh, Andy Wolf come back again. I'm not saying it's it's all down to that, but um, it's just great seeing him in in great form, and. Yeah, I, I still think there's yeah, there's a lot of pressure on those young guys because you know the, 
looking at the wider squad, it's a lot of, as he said, there's a lot of good Bundesliga players. That, you know, are they going to have to rely on Paul Drucks? Does anyone want to rely on Paul Drucks? No. Um, <laughs> no, that's a bit unfair. Paul Drucks can have his... Can, uh, Paul, Paul Drucks is, is one of those players, he's a bit 50-50. Like, but I think for... But there's one person, I think, in this German setup who I think this tournament is kind of like a defining tournament for them. And I think that actually would be Alfred Gieser's son. He's just coming into his third year now in this role. So he can't really rely on this whole uh, growing pains and he hasn't had them long enough. This is kind of his, his time to shine in terms of he's had them long enough at this stage. And they should know his system. They know how he works. And if they flop at this, it's hard to imagine where he would go from here because I think this mm. is really his it's time for them to, to really put in a good performance and push up the rankings who's going to be their defensive leader you know they are missing two of the best line players and the best defenders in the world in Patrick Vincek and Hendrik Peckler neither player uh, competing in this competition that is a bit of a worry for me uh, you know, we talked about Gola. Um, he is a better offensive player than defensive. They're, you know, the line mm-hmm. players they have, uh, Kalbacher is, again, more of a, an attacking force. Who's there to lead that defense? Andy Wolf. <laughs> Andy Wolf. 70% of a defense yeah. is the goalkeeper. <laughs> it, it is a fair point. Germany always have a big team. Like it's never a short group of players. Like they they can throw a lot of the backcourt in there. Um, might not be the the most let's say technically gifted set of defenders, but like Simon Ernst, for example, uh, he is in there purely to be a defender, right? Uh, Leipzig player Ernst, and you know put him in there alongside uh, one of the line players, and then you have a. Then you have a pair of uh, a center block that's okay. Besides that, yeah, it's a good point because I mean the the left backs, Custer's I think a decent defender, but he's a bit like he needs to gain a few kilos. Uh, Knorr as well, Weber, uh, they can all do a job, but they're not not out and out kind of you know, center block players. So I think I get your point there, but maybe they they'll try an approach where they're they're not reliant on having a big center block. Uh, and they're trying to be a bit more active. Um, and that's where they have a lot of good, like, number two defenders, even someone like Paul Drucks. And a last, last little mention for Luka Witzke, um, who will also play kind of in that playmaker position. Uh, he's been very good for Leipzig, who have been a bit of a re- revelation over the last... They kind of came into the season and have gone on a really great run in the Bundesliga. Uh, but Witzke, another 23-year-old who... Um, who has lit it up for them so he watch out for him to kind of announce himself to the world this time around another team in the group who had some good news just only about 10 minutes ago uh, is Qatar their star shooter Capote who was originally said to be out injured for the tournament is now actually going to be playing so that's a a big boost for Qatar because Qatar are of course missing their their main man Marzo who if I remember correctly, Chris was a pretty big fan of. Is that right, Chris? If I remember that correctly. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I think he we, was. We were all fans yeah. of. He was basically yeah. the MVP of the last World Championship. He was the top yeah. scorer and just lit it up. Yeah, amazing assist giver. I think he was a nominee or maybe the winner of the Swiss Army Knife um, 
But yeah, well, does anyone know what happened with Frank Esmarzo? Because uh, all I know is like news came out before the new year that he had left the left the team, but uh, I didn't hear any more about why that happened. Uh, but what I do know is this is an absolute disaster for them because, uh, well, part of the the trio of thirty five year olds Marzo, uh, Capote, and Ben Ali, it could have been their uh, their swan song, but uh, they're missing out on Marzo now. But at least Capote coming back is a bit of a boost for them. But do you guys see Valera Rivera causing any upsets in this group? I think having Capote is going to be huge. So that uh, I, I I was ready to write them off pretty much and just say that, okay, this isn't going to be the, the real Qatar um, at this championship. But they, you know, they seem to always just get through and do the do something. They, 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 they lost to Angola, but still made it through uh, in the last championship. Uh, they are the Asian champions. You know, they've continued to be a force ever since the 2015 uh, World Championship final. That's still crazy to think. Wasn't it crazy that Qatar got to the final of the World Championship? They they continue to be a force. They have an experienced team and they're just going to do their thing and finish somewhere. <laughs> I'm not excited about them. No, yeah, they're still still tipping along, aren't they? Uh, but anything to add, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no but we do have a personal connection to Serbia with Tony Girona as their head coach is one man we can maybe give a bit more insight to what he's like as a, as a coach because we've all played under him I think it's great for us to see Tony Girona rising up through the the coaching the coaching ranks now making it to Serbia and from my brief conversations with some people in Serbia who are involved in handball they all seem to like him there I think he's a great guy so it's gonna be interesting to see how Serbia do with this because they had I think only one test match so far and they played against Sweden and they lost by by just one goal so it does show that their level is there thereabouts where it should be going into a tournament like this so it's quite exciting for Serbian fans I think Tony finally has his team because last year at the Euro they were another team that were completely decimated with injuries with COVID you know ending up with like fourth choice or fifth choice right backs in the team um, Tupara and Milos Avlievic as a goalkeeper pair another fantastic duo that could really uh, tear things up uh, if things go well the line player is very strong Petr Malbec is in there um, wing player is very good the backcourt I think is is one area that maybe will struggle a little bit uh, Lazar Kukic is a very good player running the center of that uh, attack but he's not always um, hitting top form so that's maybe one area that it could be a worry but they didn't struggle to score goals against Sweden Test matches are always difficult to 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 prove anything, but but it looks good. I wouldn't say that uh, the backcourt. I think the you know, Georgic, who missed the mm. last championship, has been tearing it up with Benfica for the last couple of years, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him at, at this highest level again. Um, again, Kukic, uh, very good player. Then they have. Okay, a 19-year-old, um, Stefan Dodic, who is a real star. Who I don't know how much we'll see of him. Um, I, can Tony give him a chance? I think he can. Uh, a chance that uh, Zagreb haven't really given him. Uh, the right back is the, is the weakness, I think. Uh, they're going to have to figure out something there. 
they do have um, Milos Orb- Orbovic, who's an experienced player, but he's playing in Switzerland, which uh, Tony does not rank as a decent <laughs> <laughs> league. So I don't know if he'll hear. <laughs> I'm surprised he's even in the squad. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, they they do it. They do have players. I think it is the the depth that is maybe a bit of a worry. Orosh um, Borjas is another interesting one. There, twenty three years of age. Uh, he's getting plenty of Champions League experience with with Elvrum. but like the wings, very strong. Like Ilic uh, Radivojevic in there. I think uh, that that looks quite exciting and then Petr Malbec and uh, Marcinic who uh, Marcinic every time I've seen him this season in the Bundesliga has been amazing so they have the ingredients do like Serbia have they've kind of been branded as the opposite of mentality monsters in recent years could that be their downfall like what we know about Tony is that he is very detailed as a coach and he's going to have a plan for definitely each team in this group stage. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has a very detailed plan for the, their potential uh, games in the main round. So I think that will be a big advantage for this Serbia team, um, who, you know, Petr Nanadic isn't there. Um, so they don't have him to rely on to just do some magic. They're going to be very detailed. They're going to have a very specific plan and they're going to execute it at a really high level. Just a memory that came to mind when we, uh, when Tony had us as a coach, and we were as the Irish team, we were going to play Estonia, and uh, we were doing a video session where uh, Tony was showing us Estonia versus Latvia, and uh, the Latvian team had, of course, Danis Kristapans, who was just uh, a young up-and-coming player at the time. But he was <laughs> he was giant. He was still giant. <laughs> I just remember a fellow player, Oshino Bronagon, just <laughs> constantly being like, oh my God, that guy is huge. <laughs> and Tony is just like, no, focus on Estonia. We play Estonia. We're playing Estonia. And Oshina's just, no, but like, look at the size of this dude. So hopefully the Serbian team has a slightly better concentration level than the Irish team did back in the day and kind of execute this plan and, you know, do something that we saw um, Slovenia do in the women's championship where they had this like, perfect plan which they executed in an early stage to get a big win so mm. i wouldn't be surprised if you know they really really challenged germany um in this group stage i fully agree uh one team that tony girona will know very well would be of course algeria from his time with uh tunisia so what do you guys think can I, do, do algeria have a result in them at all or I, I think so. Uh, from what I remember of the them at the World Championship two years ago, they were a dangerous team to face uh, everyone. I think they, they really pushed France hard as well at the, the Championship two years ago. Um, a very French-influenced team as well. A lot of players playing uh, their club handball in France. Uh, Khalifa Gedbane is probably the big name from that team, the goalkeeper from uh, Dinamo Bucharesti. I, I think they could... Egypt should be the standout team from Africa. Algeria could be uh, the standout team if if things don't click for Egypt. They'll be the second best team at least. They, they've been they've been disappointing over the last. Uh, they've kind of they got quite good for a while. I'd say about you know eight years ago, ten years ago, 
they were at a high level and the, their level dropped quite drastically to an extent that they were you know struggling in, in the president's cup or not qualifying for the championship we're seeing angola and uh, congo getting ahead of them into the championships uh, but they seem to have a bit more energy back they seem to have a bit of a new generation and i wouldn't say it's like a new generation it's the it's like a skip of a generation um where they've kind of grown up and i'm, I'm excited to see them um in this championship they could do a job against qatar i i don't i don't know enough about either team honestly um but i i feel like that's there's a lot of african players in that qatar team they don't seem to enjoy playing against other african teams other African teams. They don't seem to enjoy playing against African teams, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so, yeah, there's a chance they could go through. And I reckon Serbia will win the group. Wow. Oh. So let's leave it there for Group E. And yes. for everyone listening at, at home, this is where the free part ends and the Patreon fans will pick up. So if you're not subscribed to our Patreon, go over there right now. We have two different options. We have the six meter club and the nine meter club six euro and nine euro and uh, you can sign up to either one doesn't make a difference but we will know what type of <laughs> handball player you were when, if you ever did play because you know legends score <laughs> from nine meters you know six meters a child can score from there so <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure but uh yes there you go there you go